0: What's up, y'all? It's your man, Stephen Bardo, coming at you with another edition of Bardo's Breakdown. I'm your host, Stephen Bardo, and I've got a special guest on today, uh, a teammate of mine who is a teammate in Big Ten Network, uh, was a tremendous player at Valparaiso High School, then went to Purdue and became an All-American, a three-time uh, All-Big Ten selection, uh, Was in, played in the NBA, played overseas, and doing some great things so i wanted to bring robbie humble on the show robbie thanks so much for joining man yeah of course i'm honored to be here with you steve yeah i i uh you know i've known about you rob you, you and i are cool we work together and whatnot but i was doing some research man and your story is even more fascinating when i've d- dug a little deeper and came up with some things so i'm, I'm gonna kind of go chronologically we'll start from from the beginning Okay. Um, tell me about your experience at uh Valparaiso High School and playing for Bob Punter. I believe that was your head coach.
1: Yeah, it was it was awesome. So I, I grew up in Valparaiso and, and Bryce Drew played at my high school. And my parents, you know, my mom's mom's mom is like from Valpo. Um, so they, oh, they've okay. been there forever. And when I was growing up, it was always a, a big deal to go to the Valpo High School. Girls and boys varsity games. Our girls program was really good. Like they they my neighbor was um, this girl named Jeanette Gray. She ended up playing at Valpo, but she was um, up for Miss Basketball, and she was an Indiana All Star, which is a big deal in the state of Indiana. And um, with Bryce playing there, I was only five years old. But my parents took me to the state finals, and you know, I've got a bunch of basketball signed by just the Valpo high school team that I found in my parents' basement um, because we went oh, to, wow. we went to the games all the time. It's just what we did. Um, so growing up, I. I really had like three goals. Like I I wanted to play on my high school varsity team, only at Vapo high school. I wanted to be an Indiana all-star and I wanted to play in the NCAA tournament. Um, So coach Punter was the coach from like, I want to say like 88 on. And he retired with our class with myself and Scott Martin. Um, He's he's the all-time winningest coach in Vapo high school history. Um, He's a great guy. I saw him actually. He's, He's back helping out at the high school. I, I saw him um, a couple weeks ago, so it was good to catch up with him. Um, but great experience. I, I loved it. We unfortunately lost in the regional final every year of, of my three years on the varsity. We just couldn't get past the Elite Eight. Um, and lost some good people. We lost to Gary Westside my sophomore year. They had my AU teammate, uh, Jamil Tucker, um, who was a really good player, a top 100 kid, my junior year, we lost to Penn High School, who's a football powerhouse. Like they send like half their team to Notre Dame, it feels like in football every year. Um, not a great, or known for a basketball school, but that was that was a tough one. And then my senior year, I lost to my my college roommate, Etwan Moore, got us and, and my AU teammate. So, um, and you know what's cool about that, Stephen, is that Etwan and I have been together a so you know a ton, obviously over the last I guess twelve years since we went to Purdue together. He has never talked about the game one time. Which really? I, which is shocking to me. Like, because he's competitive and he's not a huge trash talker, but most guys you'd think they'd needle you every once in a while with it, right? I mean, he has sure. never talked about it. And his team went and they were loaded. They had, they had him, they had a kid named Angel Garcia who's going to Memphis to play for Coach Calipari. And they had k1 Short, who's like a... Pro bowler in, in the NFL multiple times for the Carolina Panthers. Defensive tackle. Beat. Wow. Um, so okay. they were good. And we had two guys going to Division One too. Um, but the class was loaded that year. We we there was myself and Scott, Etuan in East Chicago, Jawan Johnson down in Indianapolis. We had Jeff Teague, Eric Gordon. So um, I oh, ended man. up making the Indian All-Star team and our team was awesome. I mean, we we had like seven NBA players and also, Matt Howard, um, Ben Botts, who played at Ball State, a bunch of, bunch of guys aside from the seven I mentioned who ended up playing Division One college basketball. So that was, that was a really cool experience as well.
0: You know, Robbie, I think a lot of people, uh, they hear about Indiana high school basketball and, you know, everybody's seen the Hoosiers movie. But give people a sense of how important the sport is in the state of Indiana.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I when I was growing up, it was just, it was what we did. We went to the varsity football and basketball games. It was, it was a big deal. Um, and I think with basketball in the state of Indiana, I, I think it's, I've seen this a couple times online recently where they have a map of the United States and they've shown where the 10 biggest high school gyms in the country are. And like nine of them are in Indiana. Um, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, I, we played a tournament in Newcastle where Steve Alford played. Uh, yep. I believe Ken Benson played there too, but it's like their gyms, like 9,500. It's, it's awesome. You know, it's just, it's a big deal. Uh, my last high school game, we played each one, played in Chicago at Michigan city high school, um, 8,500 people there sold out. It, it was an incredible atmosphere. I wish we'd won make it a lot, a lot better memory, but uh, <laughs> the, the crowd was phenomenal. It, it was it felt like it was a college game almost, you know, where you're playing in front of a – it's a big-time atmosphere. It's it's just a cool thing to be a part of. It's special. It's just – there's not many places. I guess it's like Texas football, you know. There's not many yeah. places that can replicate that.
0: So, let me ask you this. So, you, you
1: had a really successful high school career,
0: and you came out. It sounds like you all had an amazing class. Who are you being recruited by uh, out of high school?
1: Um, I want to say I had like 15 or 16 offers um, coming out of Valpo High School. I, I had offers from about half the Big Ten. It was like Iowa, Northwestern, Indiana, Purdue. Well, I guess not even half the Big Ten. It was like those, those schools. Ohio State recruited me but didn't offer. Illinois recruited me but didn't offer. Um, Wisconsin recruited me a little bit but didn't offer. So I, I guess more of like a, a third of the Big Ten at that time had, had offered me. Um, I really liked NC State. Herb Sendeck did a nice job recruiting me. Um, I had an offer from from Valparaiso. I was a ball boy growing up for Homer Drew. Uh, loved VU. So if they if they had been going to the NCAA tournament consistently still, I might have went. But they kind of had hit a drought in that. And, like, Bryce had just come back to be an assistant, which was really cool for me because, like, my two favorite players growing up were Michael Jordan and Bryce Drew. <laughs> so, so he was recruiting me and... It was just I wanted to play in the tournament, and um, it kind of came down to like Valpo, Purdue, Indiana, NC State, but everything kind of got checked off the box for Purdue because Mike Davis pretty much gets run out of Bloomington, and Coach Davis did a great job recruiting me. Um, okay, he didn't. I know that he was criticized for not recruiting the state of Indiana well, and there was certainly some some you know valid claims to that because I. I played A.U. E. with Luke Herringote, and I, he wanted to go to Indiana, and they just didn't recruit him. So I, I do know that there was some issues there, but he was great with me. Um, Herb Sendek, I liked NC State. I visited a couple times. He kind of up and left, got sick of recruiting against Carolina and Duke, and I don't blame him, and went to Arizona State. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so Valpo was going to the tournament. And, and Coach Painter, this isn't to say that they just kind of – I didn't just fall into their lap. Coach Painter did a really good job recruiting me and Etuan – um, and also Juwan Johnson and Scott Martin, my high school team that went there, too. So um, it was kind of the perfect storm. But also they, they were they were really good at, at getting us to to believe that we could go there and have success and play right away.
0: Well, you know, I'm, I'm still a little uh, sore about uh, the Illinois situation because I know they <laughs> would recruit you, but they didn't offer you and. Right. I I believe your parents have have some kind of tie to the University of Illinois.
1: Yeah, I've got a lot. So my dad played tennis there in the 70s. He he makes the claim that he laid the groundwork for them to win the national title. And I think it was what 2002 or three. He said that his his performance (laughs) in the 70s was really, really what made that happen. Uh, oh, but yeah wow. okay. he, he's obviously kidding he's full of crap but um, <laughs> he so he played tennis there my grandpa was a professor there my my grandparents still live in Champaign I actually saw him the other night when I did the Illinois game um, against Michigan my my uncle's a professor there he went there all, all my aunts and uncles from that side of the family went to the University of Illinois
0: oh wow so was there a pool for you uh you know wanting Illinois to offer you would you have gone do you think
1: a good chance. Um, I, I was a big Illinois fan at that time. I really liked, uh, I don't know if you remember, you remember Eugene Wilson, the cornerback? He played at Maryville High School. was really yes. good at Illinois. Really liked him yeah. um, just because he was around the area that we were. And then how could you not like the the D, Darren, and, and Luther head teams? Um, so I I really enjoyed watching them play. Went to a good amount of games at Assembly Hall um, on my grandparents' tickets when we were in town for Christmas or, or whatever. Um, and I actually, I, I played in an open gym and played pretty well. Um, I remember Darren Williams came up to me and was like, Hey, coach wants to talk to you. Like, you know, uh, way to play. And I thought maybe I'd get the offer, but it never came. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I can, I can dream. Um, <laughs>
0: so you, you make a great decision to go to Purdue and you know, Robbie, I was looking at your first year, you and the other baby boilers, Chris uh, Kramer, Juwan Johnson, Etuan Moore. Yep. You guys had a lot of success that year. What what, what jumps out at you about your freshman year at Purdue?
1: Um, I, would, I mean, that was probably the most fun year that we had because there was really low expectations. You know, a, a good recruiting class coming in, but we lost Carl Landry and David Teague. So we were kind of starting over. And Kramer had played a lot, and Keaton Grant had played a lot as freshmen. So they were now sophomores, but we didn't really have a whole lot of experience. And honestly, to start the season off, we really struggled. We lost to Wofford at home. Um, part of this Las Vegas Invitational, went out there to Vegas, lost to Iowa State, who got last in the Big Twelve that year. Now they did have three pros: they had West Johnson, um, they had a point guard that ended up playing the NBA, and they had Craig Brackets. So <laughs> they had oh, some yeah. talent. But they they weren't putting it together. They were young too. We Lost to them, and then beat Missouri State um, by two points. Kid missed a layup. Right, so we got one by one. Kid missed a layup at the buzzer. That would have, I believe, beat us actually. So things weren't going well. And then we came home and played Florida International, and we were down 17 to zero with seven minutes oh, to go in God. the first half. We hadn't scored, so things weren't like going very well. And um, it was funny. We we were, when we lost a Walker, we went out. We flew out to Vegas on a flight, and we landed. Coach Painter was not happy, as you can imagine. The home lost to <laughs> Walker, like he was in a right. good, not a great mood. And we get to the casino. and We hadn't eaten. I remember thinking, like, dude, I'm starving. But we were just gonna. We watched the film, which was brutal. And then all of a sudden, it sounded like there was like a helicopter flying by the window in our, in our hotel room. And I was like, what is that? And dude, it was a sandstorm that blew in and knocked the power out of the gym. Coach Painter was about to kill us at practice. I swear <laughs> to God, it was, God was looking down on our team. Like, all right, like they, they, they don't need this right now. They need to like, they need to rest and, and think about what they've done. Cause he was oh going to go, goodness. he was going to go ham on us and we would have deserved it. You know, it wasn't like it was not deserving. We played horrible. Um, but I the next day we ended up practicing, and it was like charge drills and rebound war, and all, all the fun drills where guys are killing each other out there. So, um, it wasn't a season that started well, but we had a close knit group. We kind of hung in there. We beat Michigan in the first Big Ten game, went to Michigan State, played well, and then won like 10 Big Ten games in a row. And it was like, I, I my goal my freshman year was just to get minutes, you know, it wasn't to. Yep to, like, I didn't think I could be first-team All-Big Ten as a freshman. I didn't think that I could maybe even start. I just hoped that I would get to play some. Um, but I have to give a lot of credit to my high school coach, my AU coach. Uh, we played a national schedule in AU, and we're one of the best teams on the circuit, so I think that really prepared all of us. And, uh, you know, it was like the as the season went on, I, I somehow, I, I have no idea how. I put a lot of work into it, I guess. That's probably how, but I played really well against the good teams. I had a big game up at the Kohl Center. Wisconsin was ranked eighth, and then we came home and beat Michigan State. And I had like twenty four and twelve. If you had told me I had twenty four and twelve against Michigan State as a freshman, I would have been like, "What?" In like in in eight? Did we play them eight times? Like there was exactly? No way, no way! I'm getting twelve rebounds, weighing one hundred ninety pounds against that that front court, but. It, it was it was just such a fun year. It was so unexpected, um, and I think we kind of ran out of gas a little bit in, in the NCAA tournament. We beat Baylor, who had a good team, but then we we ended up losing to uh, Xavier, who was senior laden and and physical. And I got dunked on by Derek Brown so bad it wasn't funny. So uh, okay, but we we kind of <laughs> ran out of gas a little bit in the, the year. But it was a great season for us as freshmen. And you know, you
0: led the uh, Big Ten that year in three point field goal percentage. Uh, like 45 percent right it, it was just all clicking for you huh
1: i mean it was the high school line <laughs> so oh i it got was, you it was I like shooting layups back then um, and then i right. moved it back um, but now i i just got into a groove and um it's one of those deals man when you're when you're confident and you've got it going that, that ball looks like it's going in the ocean yeah no doubt no
0: doubt so let's Look at your sophomore year, your preseason Big Ten Player of the Year, uh, and, and then this is when the injuries uh, started coming through, if I'm not... Yeah. You had some back spasms and, and a broken vertebrae?
1: Yeah, so I got knee in the back by Kyle Singler in the Big Ten A.C. Challenger playing Duke, and it just... I, I didn't feel right after that. It, it was like a blockout. I was trying to block him out, and he was running in, and he kneed me right right in the lower back. and um, It really gave me some problems, and I, I was... I was like, we played Illinois, the first Big Ten game of the season, I believe. And I left the game on crutches. I couldn't, I couldn't hardly stand up. You know, it was just debilitating. Um, so I, I got to give a lot of credit, though, to our trainers and, and the doctors that were working on it. I was one of the Colts doctors, actually. He ended up putting me in a brace. And it, it was able to relax my back. And we almost shut it down. I almost was out for the end for the year. Um, but we kind of like talked through it and I, I felt like I was getting better and the brace really helped. And by about late February, I was feeling good and we ended up, we lost, this is crazy. We lost on senior night to Northwestern, then went to East Lansing and lost on their senior night and Michigan state was good. Don't get me wrong. Um, and then we went and won the big 10 tournament. (laughs) So it was like, we lost like three or four to end the year. I think we lost at Michigan too late, late in February and uh, ended up winning the big 10 tournament, which was awesome um, because you get to celebrate on the floor, cut the nets down watch the selection show um, in the little celebration suite down in, uh, in banker's life. And uh, then ended up going and, and playing probably one of the most memorable games that we had when I was at Purdue. We, we beat Washington in the second round of the NCAA tournament in Portland. And it was the least neutral crowd you'll ever see. It was a big-time atmosphere. And they had Isaiah Thomas. They had Quincy Pondexter. They had John Brockman. They were loaded. Like, Lorenzo Ramos oh, team was game. really great good. Team. There was, like, six of 80s that. on the floor. It was pretty good. It was a good game. Um, so, that was cool. Beat them and then lost to UConn, um, who had, like, the beat. And... We had no answer for his size. Like, we would have had to have shot it really well for the perimeter, and we just didn't do it. But they were, they were good. Kemba Walker's their sixth man. So that shows you how much talent. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'd say, I'd, I'd say so. Right. No, that's that's something, man. So, so you, you, you go through that, and then, you know, you, you're having success. You keep having these injuries. Right. And I, I believe it was you, you tore your ACL for the first time. Uh, was that your junior year?
1: Yeah, it was my junior year. And I was having the best season probably of my career. It's probably the best I've ever played. Um, I just – it's unfortunate because we could have won it all that year. We, we were loaded. Um, we had, you know, Chris Kramer's the defensive player of the year. We're all upperclassmen. Keaton Grant's the guy that's a thousand-point scorer. Um, he's a guy that also made big shots for us. We got Etuan, myself, Juwan as, as juniors. And then we've got some sophomores and Lewis Jackson – Brian Smith played a little bit. Uh, Kelsey Barlow was an All-Freshman guy that year. I mean, we had a lot of talent, uh, I and mean, we were rolling. People. We, if you think about this, my junior year, we let's see, we we beat West Virginia, who was a top five team at home by eighteen. They're also a Final Four team. We won an East Lansing. Uh, Michigan State was like a top ten team at that point. We won an Ohio State, who had Evan Turner, was a top ten team. And we beat oh, yes. Tennessee on a neutral floor, who had like Tyler Smith and Wayne Chisholm, and and they were a top ten team. So we we'd had four top ten wins, and three of them coming away from home. Um, with another opportunity to play Michigan State on our floor, and we unfortunately lost to Ohio State. Evan Turner had like a million points, and ended up beating us. But we had <laughs> we had some really good wins that year, and we were rolling. We'd won. I want to. Say, we won our first fourteen games, lost three in a row. Uh, you can imagine how fun practice was during that stretch, and uh, and then actually won ten straight games. And I blew my knee out at Minnesota, so it was it was unfortunate, man. That, that was a that was a really close knit group and a, a really talented group, and one that I feel bad for Coach Painter. He's done he's put together a Final Four team like four times now, and just hasn't gotten there. Hasn't, luck has not been on our side. Yeah,
0: and so you know when you you're going through these injuries, Robbie, what's going through your mind? I mean. Are you scared that your career is going to be done? Are you, you know, are you confident that you're going to be able to overcome these injuries? Because think about it now, ACLs back then were a little bit more serious than they are now.
1: Yeah. You know, I, my first one, I was just focused on getting back for next year. Um, and I, it was a relief when Joan and Etuan came back for their senior year, but I had the surgery down in Indianapolis with the team doctor and it was a disaster. Like it from the jump from the jump. For me coming from me waking up on the surgery, it was a nightmare. Um and there was a lot of stuff that went into that, but um it, it just it never felt right. I never felt normal. Um and when I retoured it on the first day of practice, I that's when you start thinking, I, my career might be over. I remember having a meeting with the Purdue Athletic Director, and he was like, he told me first of all that I could I could pick my knee surgeon, which was awesome. You know, my my dad and actually Coach Payne and a little bit of Mark Bartlestein. He he helped a little bit um, just on input for surgeons because I'd been talking to Mark. Since my, my, my dad really had. I I hadn't been, um, but he kind of gave who he thought was the best three surgeons. So um, I went and saw James Andrews. I went and I ended up seeing two other surgeons, and I decided on uh, Doctor. It was David Allcheck. And actually, I've, okay. I've kept all checking like business. He's done my ACL. He did a meniscus. He's done my shoulder. So I'm like, wow. I got like the uh, the punch card for all check on surgeries. Um, but I went to him and honestly, he saved my career. Um, the way that he did my surgery and the way that he uh, just the skill he has. If you look him up, he's done a ton of people. Like He is. He's a big time surgeon. And okay. uh, it, it was it was a good experience. I went out to New York, had it done. Um, did my rehab actually with Tim Grover, which is pretty cool. Um, and Tim actually, oh yeah,
0: Chicago, Chicago Bulls. Yeah, so uh, he was he was crazy.
1: MJ's guy and then Kobe's guy yep. and a little bit of D Wade. And actually, he I had never thrown up due to exercise. Um, and the first day there, I thought that we were going to like chill and like maybe ease our way into it. He made me vomit in the trash can. It's the only time I ever thrown up because of working out. Oh my goodness, uh, really? We did three X. Ex- now I hadn't done anything in eighteen months, so you got to remember that. But um, I was like, dude, I am so far away from even being in the ballpark of playing again. You know, and it was it was a hard summer. But I think it's it's so much easier to lock in on something when you have a a determined goal. And mine was to get back out there and play Big Ten basketball and hopefully salvage a pro career. Because I remember, you know, I told you I met with the AD and he even said, you know, there's a good chance you're going to have to come to grips with if you do this again, that you probably will never, you might not never play basketball again. And I was like, I, I agree because I'm not going to do another 10 or 12 months of sitting around rehabbing just to read, tear my ACL on the first day I get to play. It's uh, sure it, it takes the wind out of your sails. So um, it, it was, it was kind of a scary time. It's, I went from my junior year of, I felt like I was definitely going to play in the NBA. I felt like I could maybe be a first round pick that year to man i might never play basketball again wow did you go through any depression or anything like that rob no i don't think so i I, so after my second one i definitely i gained a lot of weight um because you're used to being able to eat like a college kid but you're burning yeah so i i remember i went up to my my aunt and uncle's lake house my parents my brother my cousins and I took my shirt off, and they were like, they almost laughed at me, <laughs> and it was good. It was I needed it, right? Like it, it sounds mean, but I needed right? it because I was I wasn't fat, but I was like skinny fat, you know. And that's why okay. happens if you can't work out for for eighteen months. So I, uh, it was a wake up call. I, I went on a diet. I really got serious about lifting weights, and by the time I was cleared to play, I, I was a pretty well-oiled machine in that regard and I felt strong and I felt normal so that was good
0: you're listening to Bardo's breakdown uh, Stephen Bardo I have my man Robbie Hummel on today uh, really enjoying this conversation with Robbie so Rob, let's, let's take a look at June 28 2012 second round pick 58th pick from Minnesota what was going through your mind on draft night
1: yeah, so I, I worked out for like I want to say it was 13 teams, and one of the workouts was actually in front of 28 teams. So I, I was seen by almost everybody um, because it was a group workout where a bunch of teams came in to Minnesota, to Minneapolis, and, and all observed the workout. Um, okay. I, I went with Mark Bartlstein as my agent, um, and honestly, I work. I was playing really well. I I had a really good end. I started out my fifth year pretty poorly, but I, I finished playing really good basketball. I was shooting it well. I had a good game against Kansas in our last game in the NCAA tournament. And then I went and started doing these workouts, and I, they they went great. So I felt like I was going to get drafted. And I remember, I asked Mark, you know, what should I do for the draft? Should I have, like, some sort of party or I, I don't, what should I do? And he was like, yeah, I think you should. I think you should have a party. So we're, we're all at this restaurant in West Lafayette. All my friends and family are there. And I, I had been told that Utah was not going to let me go anywhere past 53. They had two picks, like 46 and 53. And okay. actually, Jeff Hornacek told me at Summer League a couple years later that they went at the 53rd pick, they went around the room. And it was a unanimous vote to pick me. And then their GM at the time... Said okay, and drafted somebody else. <laughs> oh, so I wow. flip past them and I'm like, I'm about to fire Mark. <laughs> I'm gonna fire this dude if I if I had this party and I don't get drafted, I swear to God. <laughs> and fortunately, you know, it's a it's a it's a terrifying night. It'd be fun as hell if you're a first-round pick. But True. if you're a guy that's fringe or you're maybe a second-round pick, or it's just you're on pins and needles. And that was Twitter had just gotten big, so I actually had been told that Minnesota drafted me like ten seconds before they announced the pick. But again, you don't believe it until it comes out of Adam Silver's mouth. Who at the time That's was right. the deputy commissioner, so he was doing the second round. So when they announced it, it, it was a huge relief. I mean, I, I was like, if I have to address these people, I, I might cry the entire time. You know, it's it's terrifying. <laughs> Right. Uh, but fortunately, Minnesota took me And uh, so thank you, David Kahn People hate on him all the time And for good reason But he did draft me, so I love him for that um, But it's, uh, it's, a, it's a scary night But it was an awesome night It ended up being a lot of fun It just ended a little later than maybe we would have hoped um, And uh, yeah you, you get to hear your name call it's, it's a dream come true No, there's no doubt about that and so
0: you, you, you get into the NBA and I believe you had two seasons with the Timberwolves. Is that correct?
1: Yep. I, they had me go to Spain first and I played a year in Spain um, and then came back and I played a year for, for Rick Adelman, which was awesome. Um, our team was pretty good. Actually, if we were in the East, we would have been like the five or the six seed, but the West was loaded. Uh, but yep. that was Kevin loves last year in Minnesota. And that was pretty awesome to watch him play. Um, because he was such a talent and he, his motor was crazy um, stud. So it was cool. That year was, was a good experience Then my second year. We, uh, we were 16 and 66. We had a lot of injuries. We traded Kevin. We were playing Andrew Wiggins, who's a rookie and a good one. And and Zach Levine, who's talented, but we had a lot of young guys playing and it was, it was a long, long year. I bet. I bet. And, then you, you've had, you talked about Spain.
0: I know you signed in Italy and you played in Russia. Can you share with our listeners what the experience is like playing overseas?
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild. You know, you, you deal with so much stuff that you think is like so outlandish. And it is like you you just, it's not, it's so different from here. It's just a different way of living. Um, you know, in Italy, I signed a contract after I, um, uh, didn't re-sign with minnesota but in this team in italy it was in milan and the owner is Giorgio armani and he's very involved oh, wow. so okay. uh, our uniforms were armani our 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 clothing our cars were all like Arma- our cars were sponsored by an armani but it was a, actually they gave us bmws um but it was cool we did more modeling though steven than like practicing we, Are you serious? I swear to God, I've got some hilarious pictures um, of <laughs> of our team, of me on like magazines in Italy, and like we, we played an exhibition series in Chicago and in New York, which is unheard of for a European team to do. And we played Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is one of the better teams. Both Milan and Maccabi, I was, they're they're both high level Euro League teams. They're um, they're usually pretty good. And we played the game in Chicago went to new york we had a seven hour photo shoot one day and it was like haircut wow. shave makeup i mean it was like the real deal right it wasn't like uh some amateur photographer it was it was a real thing for Giorgio armani to put in one of his ads that hey my basketball team rocks these um these sunglasses or whatever it was, it was <laughs> crazy Impressive. um but uh, yeah, it was cool We got big discounts there that, that wasn't really like a European experience Russia was the real deal My coach was a psycho um, It was Every day something would happen Where I was like, this is completely messed up Like it, Whether that was <laughs> medically Or you'd see the mafia Driving around in a bunch of G-wagons I had a driver Who was this Russian kid He was 27 years old Loves to street race cars His dad was a big wig with the team this dude drove around like we were in the Fast and the Furious. Like, could, <laughs> this dude didn't speak any English. So the only way we could talk was on Google Translate on our phones. Um, so that's how we communicated. And he's a good guy. I still, like, I'll still talk to him on Instagram every once in a while. He's a, a really good dude. Um, okay. But, yeah, Russia was the Wild West, man. We, we I've got some great stories from Russia. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh- that's interesting, man. I, I uh, had my own experiences overseas and left about six figures over there because, you know, if they they want to cut you and you try to go get your money. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, I, I was fortunate. I got hurt in Milan. I hurt my shoulder, and I got paid in full there. In Russia, we got all of our money. But Spain, they, they owe me some cash, and it's not coming, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: I, I, know, I know the deal.
1: Yeah, I know. I know.
0: Uh, go back to, uh, let's go back to Mark Bartelstein, who our, our viewers may not recognize that name. He is the largest independent uh, sports agent that I believe deals in the NBA yep. uh, in the business now. And he was my uh, agent as well. Uh, Mark is a great guy. Yep. Uh, what was it? Uh, I'm sure you had your pick of the litter in terms of agents. Who? How did you choose Mark?
1: So Mark had been talking to my dad since my freshman year. And I had a couple agents like that had been doing that, and that's allowed. You know, they just couldn't buy anything. Um, And there were a couple other good ones. Jeff Austin was another guy that was after me. He reps Steph Curry, um, some other guys. And and I had also uh, a guy out of Washington, D.C. I forget his name now. Um, Nice guy. It's kind of a smaller agency. But when I was going through the process of after the season, every one of the agents, came in either Valpo or Purdue. And actually, this is really cool. Uh, Coach Painter sat in on every meeting, which I think is a, is a real – and I asked him. Wow. Too, but just because I I respect him, he's seen a lot of stuff. He's, you know, a guy that I, I look to is I, – I look up to him. So he sat in on every meeting, which he didn't have to do, but he did. And at the end of the day, after I met with every one of them, we all just kind of looked at each other and we're like – it's the answer is Mark. Like he, <laughs> he he's better than everybody else. He sure. what he's providing, what he's saying, what he um, what he has with his agency, it was, it was a no brainer. Um, but I thought it was cool that Payne sat in on that because he didn't have to do it he did. Um, but it was Mark's a great dude, like you said. He's he's honest. He's on the phone I think all the time. I, like I I don't I know agree. when he is not on the telephone. Um, and if you call him, he probably won't answer the first time, but he'll always call you back within like an hour. And that's even today. I could do that. Um, and I, I'm not even on his roster anymore, but I, I know that if I needed something from him or if I had a question for him, um, he would he would still do the same. Probably wouldn't answer right away, but he'd get back to it within an hour or two.
0: No, I, I second that, man. <laughs> Everything you said about Mark is a great guy, and uh, he does it the right way. Yep. Uh, he, he definitely offsets uh, some of the negative negativity from that career field that uh some of us had to endure no uh, doubt because he wasn't my first agent but he, he eventually became my main game you know what robbie i don't know if he told you this but i tried to
1: get him to re- uh represent me on the air he did would do you it. yeah yeah he i, I, I honestly if he was doing that i would have thought about it too because i think mm-hmm. he he just works so hard. He, he's a workaholic, like almost probably obsessive compulsive over working hard. Uh, mm-hmm. But he, he's a beast, man. That dude gets it done. He does. And so let's transition. So I
0: remember getting a phone call from you in the summer one time, I believe, Maury Gossbrand, yep. our
1: uh, mutual agent. Who knew that um, we were so connected agent-wise? I knew that you had Maury, but I didn't realize that you had been with Mark. Yeah, yeah, I had Bartlestein, man. Yeah. You, and you know, Bartlestein's an Illinois
0: guy. So right, was, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's
1: true. He is an Illinois guy. Yeah, player. so
0: we, yeah. we go back a little ways. But, sure. Uh, yeah, but I remember getting a call from you in the summer, and you were thinking about getting into the broadcasting. What what, what was it about that field that uh, kind of interests you
1: once your career was winding up? Yeah, so I, I had done, when I was in the NBA, they got a, like an internship program called Sportscaster U. And it's awesome. And I did that. And it's like a crash course in broadcasting. It wasn't Syracuse. Now I think it's at USC. Okay. um, It's like 10 guys. You got to put a deposit down, but then you get your money back. So it's free. And it's like a weekend, like a three or four day weekend crash course and everything television. So you call a game for TV, you call a game for radio. You do a studio show in every different role. You act as a reporter. it's during the NBA Finals. So you're reporting on the Finals games, right? Oh, that's Um, sweet. Oh, it's great. So you just take all the content that they are getting through the NBA, and you're basically creating a television show. And the students at Syracuse are producing it. So it's good for both sides, the NBA and for Syracuse. Um, And Matt Park, who's the radio guy for Syracuse basketball and football, is the guy who does it, along with a guy named Stephen Fonte, who's like a local news guy in Syracuse, New York. And it just went really well. I was like, you know, I feel pretty comfortable doing this. And I love basketball and I always have. Um, so when I got hurt in Milan, I got asked to do 10 studio days um, for BTN. And I did that. I think we were, we were at the Big Ten Tournament together some in, uh, yep. in Indianapolis. And uh, from there, that's how I actually, that's how Maury found me. Because he saw me doing studio for a Michigan game. He went to Michigan and was watching the game. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of fallen into place. And I, I called you, and I had actually called both Bartlestein and Maury, and I told them, you know, look at whatever you can, bring me what you got, and I'll make a decision. And I wasn't, like, sold on me and done playing, but I was highly considering it. And I just felt like the broadcasting opportunities were better. And for my own mental health, I was like, I just need to go home. yeah people don't
0: people don't understand robbie how tough it is to live in in some of those countries man and i mean you know it sounds uh glorious and and fun and all that but when you're there for what were you there nine ten months out yeah
1: i got there in november and i left moscow like june 15th and it was snowing when i left we made the final Um, so it's, there were snow flurries June 15th, the day I left. I was really excited. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So. So,
0: but man, you, you know, you have taken off in this broadcasting game, man. I mean, you, you, you're, you're a great listener. You're very knowledgeable. I love your insight. Uh, what's been your biggest adjustment,
1: uh, in terms of getting into this field? Uh, well, first of all, I appreciate that. Um, because I think you do a great job as well. Thank you. but I would say the biggest adjustment is probably blocking out people that on social media. Um, as a <laughs> player you got to deal with that some too, right? Like yep. I was just, I was starting to play in the social media age. Um, but especially like, like now I don't care so much because I, I, believe that I do a good job and I prepare and do things the right way with this job. But like my first year, people would tweet stuff at you and you're like dang like maybe they're right you know uh, maybe. I, who knows I guess I did stink and it's not that's that's the nice version of it right uh, yeah people can be brutal on, on that stuff and I think blocking that out and just getting comfortable and part of it is just being more self-confident I think just understanding that I believe that I can do a good job at this as opposed to your first year you're like well I hope I'm doing a good job and I would say people aren't always great at giving feedback that you work for. And that's not the case with Big Ten Network because Alex Bershke is like the best at it. Uh, he, he'll give you any feedback. Whereas some of the ESPN stuff, you could maybe be in the dark a little bit. Um, and I yep. guess no, no I news could be good news, but no news yep. could also be bad news and you could be out of a job, right? That's um, true. So it's, that's been hard. Um, but just, I, I think the biggest thing with broadcasting is. You don't need to tell the viewer what's happening. You need to tell the viewer why it's happening. And that, that has been the biggest thing for me. I think that's thats what makes a good analyst, and that's thats what guys that are really good at the job do. Uh, you're
0: listening to <clears throat> Bartle's Breakdown. I'm Stephen Bartle. I've got my man, Robbie Hummel on. And, uh, Robbie, I'm going to transition again. Um, congratulations are in order. The USA Basketball male athlete of the year for your uh, gold medal three on three competition man uh, congratulations first of all how's that feel
1: um i mean it's crazy like i got i got a phone call from jim tooley who's the ceo of usa basketball and he's he's been very involved with the whole three on three thing whether that was out at the u.s nationals in las vegas this um this may um or he came to the world cup and watched us win the gold um but he, he's been all in on 3-on-3, three and, three and he gave me a call. And I was actually in Bristol um, for the ESPN seminar, uh, which they have every year. It's like a you know you go bowling one night and eat some food, and there's drinks. And then you know, there's an actual seminar the next day. But Jim called me, and uh, he told me this. And he told me who else were some of the winners. And I, I was almost like you – know, he, he was like, yeah, LeBron, James, and Michael Jordan, and the Dream Team, <laughs> and it's like – all right, Jim, like, who is not like the other on that list? Like, it's, it's straight <laughs> Hall of Famers and then, like, me and a couple other random names just just from other USA basketball deals that they've played well or won. And I, I I honestly felt like I didn't deserve it, you know? It's like, God, I don't belong with those dudes. Shaq is on that list. MJ's on that list. Magic's on that list. That's, that's a different ballpark. I was a good player. I wasn't that level, right? You know, it's... Yeah. But with that being said, I think you got to take what you can get. <laughs> and, uh, and at the same time, like winning the three on three stuff was really cool. The U.S. had never won it. Um, we'd never beat Serbia. We beat Serbia in pool play in a really good game and uh, ended up just kind of rolling everybody. It was so fun, man. We, our three on three team doesn't get to practice much. And, and the U.S. team was made up of three of our, our pro team guys and then Canyon Barry, who uh, plays in the G League. And it was so cool that we actually got to practice because for my three-on-three team that we play with all summer, Damon Huffman lives in Seattle. I live in Chicago. Dan Mavra in L.A. The three other guys, Zyar Carrington, Craig Moore, and uh, Kareem Maddox, all live in New York. So we never get to play together. So it was amazing that just three weeks, defensively, we held – I think we held the – or gave up the fewest amount of points in World Cup history – um, wow. We were, we were really good defensively, and on offense, we really made strides. In three on three, got to find a way to transition from defense to offense fast because it's only a 12-second shot clock. So transition is huge. Even you think transition, you're thinking running up and down the court. It's a different kind of transition, but it's, it plays a big part in this game. Man, so how, how long do you think you
0: want to play uh,
1: in the three-on-three competition, Rodney? If we go to the Olympics, I literally might pull a Jordan Bohan and leave my shoes on the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> it might be it. I, I can't take the officiating, Steven. I, I've gotten more freaking texts this summer and last than probably the first 28 <laughs> years of my life combined. Like, the refereeing is abysmal, and that's being kind. Okay. Um, it, it is. You go to the basket, you better get ready to get freaking Jordan rules s fouls where like Dennis Robbins putting you on the ground. It's, it's out of control. So in the world (laughs) cup that the Olympic committee apparently told the, the, the FIBA people to call fouls because nobody wants to see a 10 minute game where it's 12, 10 and guys are like, you know, rugby basketball playing. It's not enjoyable. Um, but I I don't know. I I could, I could always be convinced. I, I didn't think that I'd play this and I was convinced to do that. And I'm glad I did. Um, but I, you know, it, you are away from home a lot. I, I think my, I flew into Chicago last night. It was like the 119th American Airlines flight I've taken this year. So oh, I,
0: 119 American I, Airlines flights.
1: I we have been everywhere. We played in 20 countries this summer. So, yeah. my status is good. That's one of the perks. But my <laughs> golf, my golf game is suffering from it. That's for sure. Uh,
0: okay. All right. Well, Robbie, we're we're wrapping up, man. Uh, A couple of things I want to ask you really quickly. I like to impart uh, knowledge on some of the younger players that are coming behind us. You, Um, what would you share with a guy that, you know, maybe has a chance to play, but maybe doesn't. Uh, What what, what kind of advice would you give some uh, big 10 players that are, you know, finishing up their careers and they, they may or may not have a chance to play.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we're talking college kids, I would say live in the gym. This is for any any age, honestly. Live in the gym, always have a ball in your hands, and, and honestly, play basketball. Like, so many guys now are obsessed with working out. Amen. That's fine, but, like, if you're working me out, Steven, and you've got, like, a one of those big, like, rubber bands, and I'm, like, doing dribble moves, What is that actually accomplishing? (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, what are we doing? Like, I I really think that you see a lot of guys that just don't know how to play, which is kind of sad. Nobody knows how to play pick and roll. Nobody knows how to set a back screen and get a wide open jump shot, right? And that maybe sounds old school. Um, But if you can find people to play with, play pickup. Like, it it drives me crazy. I just think that we've kind of lost a step in terms of everybody... As a workout guy, everybody has like, you know, and that's good, they're working on their game. You should do that, you gotta get in the gym, but I I wish kids would play more and I wish that they'd develop maybe that, that basketball IQ a little bit more.
0: When you were in high school and college, and if you weren't going to be a basketball player, what were you thinking about doing?
1: You know, when I was a kid, I said I was going to be a weatherman. Mm. <laughs> with Rod which, okay. yeah, right. <laughs> which I had kind of lost that by like middle school. And actually, I was looking through my—I had to—I had to go to this Olympic promo thing before Thanksgiving, and my they asked for all this stuff. My mom went like berserk; like she she was in like full-on find everything mode. So I went home to Vapo and went through some boxes with her and. It was funny, man. All the stuff from elementary school that I have, I wanted to be an NBA player. It's literally oh, everything wow. I wrote. Okay. Um, so I, I I know that that kind of goes against what your question asked. I always was. No, interesting. Okay. I was always interested, too, in flying. Like, I, I would have liked to have been a pilot, I think. I think being a commercial airlines pilot would be cool. Oh, wow. That's great stuff. Robbie, where can people find you if they want to follow you? Uh, like on social media and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Just on Twitter, it's just Robbie Hummel, and I think Instagram's the same thing, Robbie Hummel. So, made it really easy there. Okay, and then uh, you can you can catch
0: Robbie on ESPN doing games and studio as well as Big Ten Network. Um, Robbie, I appreciate your time, my man. Thanks for joining us on Bartles Breakdown, and uh, if you don't mind, I'll try to uh, check in with you a little bit later. Sounds
1: good. Happy to be here with you, Stephen. Right.
0: Thanks, man. All right, that'll do it for this edition. Bartles Breakdown. Uh, special thanks to Robbie Hummel for coming on. Really appreciate it and him being patient with my uh, lack of technological uh, knowledge. <laughs> so that'll do it for this edition. Uh, until next time, y'all. Peace!